We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire NFL DFS podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. It is week two. I am Scott Jensta, joined tonight again by Vlad Sedler. We appreciate you guys listening. If you could please rate or review the podcast, we would greatly appreciate that. The uh, ratings go a long way for the podcast. It really means a lot. So if you could take a few minutes to do that, we'd greatly appreciate that. Um, also, this podcast comes on the DFS uh, podcast from Rotowire. So if you could subscribe to that, you'll get uh, you get them to pop up in your iTunes or Stitcher automatically. Um, we would appreciate that. Also, hopefully everybody's enjoying the podcast so far. Uh, Vlad, we're moving on to uh, to week two here. Um, week one was uh, everybody always says that, uh, you know, this is the strangest week ever, strangest season ever. Week one was really weird. Yes, absolutely. It was uh, extremely odd. And, you know, we had been waiting weeks and in some cases months uh, for, for this and people had a lot of time to prepare and and build their lineups and so now we have a really really quick turnaround you know the games uh, concluded we had the two uh, actually pretty solid games on Monday night including um, that impressive Minnesota passing offense performance uh, as well as rookie Delvin Cook and uh, we're right back into it we're, we're digging in for week two and and I think a, a problem uh, or an issue that I think a lot of people may have is um, you know, leaning too much, a little bit too much on uh, week one data um, and sort of making uh, making decisions based on week one and just really needing to remember that, you know, each week is is essentially its own animal. And, uh, you know, there's so much more for us, uh, you know, to, to, to take out of this and, uh, you know, to make our decisions upon uh, rather than just uh, what we saw in week one. 
Yeah, I've had some people ask me some wild ad drop questions for you know week two based on week one, and just he's got you got to have a little bit of patience. It's really hard. We wait, we wait in all season for week one, and we get all these stats, and we're all excited. But you know you got to you got to temper uh, uh, stuff on the good and the bad side. There's gonna be uh, there's gonna be ups and downs. But uh, you know you drafted guys for a reason. You studied for your draft for a while. You studied for your DFS for all all off season. You know you got to kind of stick with what you know and stick with what you think is gonna work. And at least uh, at least give it two, three, four weeks before you start to make some decisions based on this year. But you know obviously the biggest uh, upset last week was uh, you know Kansas City smoking New England. Uh, what do you think of Alex Smith and the KC passing game? I mean that was kind of out of nowhere. That's not what we expect from Alex Smith. Yeah, that was great. A uh, very impressive victory uh, by the Chiefs. And the thing is, they really had this game marked on their calendar for so long, uh, really had a wild game plan for it. Um, and, you know, to me, I would not be surprised if this uh, went down as Alex Smith's best performance of the season. Uh, it, you know, for for people looking back at last season's stats, he really only had one game in which he threw for over 300 passing yards. And that was in week one last year uh, against the Chargers. And uh, it's zero games uh, in all of his starts last year in which he, he threw for more than two uh, touchdown passes. And so definitely that's an outlier. I uh, hope people are not going crazy with their bids in season long for Alex Smith and, and um, expecting similar performances. And I think uh, the humbling might start right here in week two against Philly. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. You mentioned that Smith only had one 300-yard passing game last year. I looked even further back. He's only had one 300-yard passing game that's his, that's his highest he's been in a season ever. He's never had two in a season, which I found just amazing. I mean, I knew when he was at the Niners, they ran the ball a lot, and they had some struggling offenses. But pretty amazing in this day and age of passing that he's only had a 300-yard game once all year. So I think we've seen the peak. You know, I, he looked good. You know, Tyreek Hill changes what he does and what he can do. You know, he can turn a quick pass into into a long one. But uh, I'm not rushing to pick up Alex Smith on the waiver wire. I'm not rushing to play uh, Alex Smith in DFS anytime soon. Uh, I'm looking at it as kind of a one-off outlier until he shows a little bit more. Yeah, and how about uh, the Monday night game with uh, with Sam Bradford in the, in the Minnesota passing game? What you think there? That was uh, that was pretty wild. It's funny, you know, when Bradford has time to throw, he's super accurate. The problem is when he gets rushed, he starts to have some issues. But you know, with Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, he's got two good receivers now. Diggs made a couple of great catches on, on balls that probably should have been incompletions. But you know, Bradford was insanely accurate. He was he was dropping dimes out there. Um, I'm temper that a little bit. They looked really good to start last year too, and, and kind of fell apart also. So I want to see a little bit more from Bradford. You know, I, I think he's uh, no doubt he can throw those you know ten to fifteen yard passes with no issue. I want to see a little bit more. I want to see uh, you know when the line starts to struggle a little bit, he gets a little bit of pass rush. But uh, you know, you don't get to play the Saints defense every week. And if he did, he'd be he'd be an All Pro. But uh, I want to see him against somebody besides <laughs> the Saints. Yeah, and I think the key there really is uh, Stefan Diggs staying off the injury report this season um, and, and just truly having a full uh, year of health. Um, and, of course, Sam Bradford came in last year, uh, you know, having to learn the playbook and, and sort of pick things up off the fly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that team looked really good. Uh, I did uh, target a lot of uh, Bradford as my QB2 in season-long leagues. I do have a lot of Diggs and Thielen shares that I uh, reached for um, that, you know, are obviously off to a good start. And then you've got Dalvin Cook there who looks just as good as advertised. And, you know, I think that balance is really going to open things up for the pass game. Um, and I did uh, enjoy a little bit of that Monday night stack uh, with Bradford, Diggs, and Thielen. Um, you know, really exceeded my expectations there. But, uh, yeah, it should be interesting. I think Stefan uh, Diggs might be a guy whose Fanduel salary is going to really, really start to uh, rise there among the top five to seven wide receivers. 
Yeah, on the flip side, you know, the, the biggest disappointment to me, I think, all weekend was the uh, was the Tennessee Titans offense. That was a game that uh, that both of us uh, kind of targeted in DFS. We looked at the high, uh, you know, high total. Looked at the Raiders defense. You know, had given up points in the past. Um, I, I was kind of half impressed by the Raiders D, half unimpressed by the Titans offense. Demarco Murray looked a little bit slow. Uh, Mariota looked great on the first drive, and then kind of struggled after that. Made a lot of bad passes in the double coverage. Um, I wasn't impressed with what I saw, and I was a little disappointed. I thought that was going to be a you know kind of an offense to target so far, and I'm a, I'm a little pulling back on them a little bit. I want to see a little bit more this week. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know the team obviously the Titans were a very uh, run oriented offense last year, and I think they're going to pull back a little bit on that because they have all those great weapons there. Uh, you know, with Demarco Murray, yes, uh, I wouldn't be too concerned about. His uh, performance after uh, one week uh, against, I think, an Oakland run defense that actually is not that uh, not that bad. I think uh, the issue there with that team is the secondary. Uh, but, you know, Derrick Henry did look uh, pretty solid. And, and really, there's no no reason to, uh, you know, for people to have anything bad to say about a guy like Derrick Henry. And I do think he's going to get more involved this year. Very dynamic guy. And uh, having a guy like Corey Davis there in the mix is uh, is definitely interesting. And I, I think just for this year, um, it's just one of those offenses where it's going to be hard uh, week to week to really figure out who uh, the guys there are to target, therefore possibly making them more uh, tournament plays as opposed to cash game plays. Yeah, I think that's going to be true the first half. But I tell you what, I love Corey Davis. I think the second half of the year, Corey Davis is going to uh, step up from the rest of those receivers. I think he's significantly better, uh, more upside than both Matthews and Eric Decker. Um, I really liked what I saw from Corey Davis. I think it'll take a while as a rookie. You know, teams will start to adjust a little bit. But uh, second half of the season, I think he's going to be someone that's going to be uh, taken off. What about uh, the rookie out in Detroit, man? Kenny Galladay, Stud Lee. Yeah, we fight We fight over what to call him. I like Minitron. You like Babytron. But uh, whatever it was, two touchdowns. He looked uh, He looked awesome. It was interesting because Golden Tate looked really good. He had. Uh, I think he had 10 catches. Uh, Marvin Jones had a touchdown. Matthew Stafford threw four of them. But uh, Kenny Galladay was the star of that, that second touchdown, the diving one in the end zone was sweet. I mean, great catch radius, seems to have a nose for the end zone, big athletic guy. Like, honestly, what's not to love? And I think he should probably uh, pretty much become their best target in the red zone. Yeah, it's funny I mentioned Stafford. Uh, when we, we talked about quarterbacks uh, last week. A couple guys we kind of missed on. Uh, both Stafford and Carson Wentz were kind of two of the two of the better quarterbacks, at least on the main slate, you know, taking Bradford and Alex Smith out because they were playing uh, – they were playing on Monday night and Thursday night, respectively. But, you know, Stafford and Wentz uh, exploded. I mean, Stafford had four touchdowns against the Arizona Cardinals defense. Uh, the Cardinals were a huge disappointment week one. Uh, I missed on both those guys. I was uh, I was a lot of Carr, a lot of Mariota. Um, no Stafford here. That hurt. Yeah, I mean, I rolled with, uh, ended up falling on Carson Wentz as my cash game uh, quarterback. And that worked out, just paired him up with Ertz. Um, and Matt Stafford just, you know, honestly, with all the quarterback options last week, just wasn't on my radar. I wasn't necessarily concerned about, you know, hey, uh, I just got paid and I'm just going to tank it. Uh, that's just not the type of guy that Matthew Stafford is. Uh, the concern there was the Arizona secondary, and we really didn't expect this type of effort. Uh, and obviously for the things that happened there, um, you know, to occur, especially with uh, with Mr. David Johnson. So, um, you know, obviously people are going to have to take Matthew Stafford seriously going forward. He could be this year's Matt Ryan that sort of, uh, you know, comes out from the being a top 10, you know, QB to like a top three or four this year. It's absolutely possible. Yeah. So I mentioned we missed on some quarterbacks, but I tell you what, uh, we did hit on the running back combo. We we both love LaShawn McCoy and Todd Gurley. That was the winning combo on uh, Fandle and DraftKings uh, huge tournaments. That was the two running backs that all the players had. No, that was fantastic. Uh, you know, those are the great, 
the nice combination to have there. Uh, my, my problem was I, uh, I think I grew a little scared there as we got towards the weekend, um, sort of you know, not having too much exposure to the two big guys, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell. And so I ended up having a lot of tournament teams with, uh, uh, you know, sort of mixed with McCoy and Gurley separate. And, uh, you know, of course, my best team was the one that had them both uh, together. Um, but, you know, next week, uh, I'm not going to be there for week two. I'm not playing scared. Uh, I'm sticking with that intuition, going with the gut and playing the guys I like best. Yeah, I think it's a good uh, good lesson. You, 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 as, if you play, unless you play max entry lineups, you kind of really got to stick with who you like, build around your core. You, you know, it's one of those things you can't have everybody every week. You're going to have some weeks where you miss guys, but you've got to stick with what you like and kind of move forward from there. You know, the one thing we talked about, both of us on the podcast last week, was Le'Veon Bell. Um, I just didn't like him coming off the uh, sitting-off training camp, both from kind of a personal perspective and from a football perspective. And uh, he he laid an egg big time. He hurt a lot of people at a pretty high percentage against the Browns. Yeah, and you nailed that one. And it's funny, I, I remember in the pod last week, I, uh, you know, posed that question to you directly. And you said you didn't like him. You ended up fading him everywhere. I uh, sheepishly jumped in on some shares, and hey, I, I paid the price for it. So uh, did have him in my main cash lineup. Those did still cash, fortunately. Nice. Uh, but it obviously could have been a lot better for tournaments. But yeah, absolutely a good lesson. Um, you know, I think with Le'Veon Bell, a lot, you know, him missing all that time in camp, like, you know, a lot of his game is is that patience, that sort of, you know, uh, you know, gazelle. Uh, type running, um, you know, and, and ryth- rhythm and timing. And so, you know, hey, who knows? It might even take a couple of weeks for him uh, to, to really get back into the mix and establish himself as the top running back. Yeah, so uh, we've got a full slate in week two. So uh, that's enough uh, recap of week one. Let's, uh, you know, move forward, look forward. Uh, I think we're gonna go, this week we're going to go kind of game by game. It helps a little bit, a uh, little less redundancy if we, you know, if we hit a quarterback and then we're going to talk about a receiver later, um, you end up talking about the same stuff. So I think we're going to go game by game this week, see how it works. First game on the slate, um, the lowest over-under on the slate. Uh, funny enough how that worked. It's the uh, the Browns at the Ravens. The Ravens are favored by 7.5. Over-under is 41. Start with the Browns. Really no one that interests me. The Ravens defense looked fantastic against the Bengals last week. My only maybe on this team, maybe on a GPP flyer, might be Corey Coleman. I love how he vibes with Deshaun Kaiser. Um, I think Kaiser looks at him. Kaiser clearly prefers him over Kenny Britt or whoever else they throw out there. He's 6,000 on FanDuel this week. He's kind of the only guy I'm looking at from Cleveland. Yeah, so this game, I don't think you're going to see a lot of, uh, you know, a, a, a very high ownership in, in people targeting this game because of the lo- uh, the uh, low implied total, not to mention a total that's moved down from 41 at opening down to 39. And so really, I'm expecting this to be a 20 to 14 type of affair. Uh, honestly, no real viable cash game plays uh, that I'm looking at. I'm not really interested in either quarterback. Uh, if I had to choose a GPP guy, if I'm playing 10-plus lineups, it'll probably be somebody – it would probably be, would be Flacco against a weak Cleveland secondary. Um, not really the spot for, for Deshaun Kaiser here for me on the road against a strong Baltimore defense. Uh, Isaiah Crowell, again, also not a, not a fantastic spot. He uh, does appear to be their uncontested workhorse. Uh, but, of course, a lot of this is game flow dependent. Uh, we don't want – if you're using Crowell – in a GPP, you're you're assuming that Cleveland is going to stick in the game and 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 uh, stick around, and uh, you know Duke Johnson and uh, and and Buck Allen, uh, perhaps maybe GPPs only in in, in DraftKings where uh, you know you are getting the full point per reception. And again, this is again if you're you're playing ten plus lineups, we're not really looking to you know put them on our primary teams. Um, outside of that, you know, you nailed it. I mean, I'm willing to take a flyer on, on Coleman in a, in a tournament. Same thing with Mike Wallace, uh, especially after Wallace had a very quiet week one, a game where he only received one, uh, you know, one uh, target 
And so 5,500 on FanDuel, I think is really nice and very cheap and in play. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. That's the guy that I was going to mention. If I'm going to go um, someone GPP flyer from the Ravens, going to be Mike Wallace. I know he only had one target, but it's one of those games. They led the whole game. They had no reason to really uh, really throw the ball. You know, Terrence West had 19 carries. Buck Allen had 21. That's 40 rushes between those two guys. That's not going to happen again. Um, Cincinnati was just abysmal. They kept turning the ball over. They couldn't score. Baltimore played from ahead the whole time. I think Mike Wallace is super sneaky. will be super low percentage this week at 5,500. Um, so it's one of those things that uh, I like him as a late kind of GPP guy, 5,500, only one target. But uh, if you're going to go sneaky, kind of way off the map, I like Mike Wallace. I also love the Baltimore defense. They're only 4,700 on Fandle this week. I know that Kaiser looked good and he made some good plays, but he's still a rookie. He took seven sacks last week, and a lot of those were coverage sacks. He just didn't get the ball out quick enough. Um, they weren't like he was getting hit right away. Um, seven sacks is a ton. If Baltimore can can cause some problems there, get the patch. I think he starts to turn the ball over, especially in the second half. Yeah. And then that's the one thing I was going to note here at the end is that the Baltimore defense is uh, in play for me uh, for Sunday. They are the seventh priciest defense. Uh, FanDuel does have Oakland Raiders and the uh, Seattle Seahawks priced up there above the 5,000 mark. I believe they're 5,400, 5,300 uh, respectively with, with Seattle, the priciest. And uh, and it's going to be tough to, um, you know, to, to fit things together, as we'll talk a little bit about rust reconstruction later, especially if you want some action on the two big games, the uh, the Sunday night hammer with uh, Atlanta and Green Bay, as well as the uh, incredibly high totaled New England, New Orleans game. And so, you know, uh, Baltimore coming in there uh, relatively decently priced, I think, is uh, absolutely in play. Yeah, those uh, those two games you mentioned are going to be the two super heavy games there. Uh two 54-point over-unders. They're like six higher than any other on the slate. Um, so there's definitely going to stick out. My second game is the the Bills at the Panthers. The Panthers are seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Over-under is 42-and-a-half. Another low over-under here. Um, on the Bills side, LaShawn McCoy was really good last week. Looked great against the, the Jets' run D that everybody's kind of a little bit worried about. He's strictly a volume play for me this week. I think he'll get the ball a lot. You know, Buffalo just doesn't have a lot of weapons. They traded Sammy Watkins. Um, you know, they kind of rely on Charles Clay in the passing game. Uh, McCoy is a guy that kind of has a nice floor to me just because of the volume. I'm a little bit worried about the game flow of it. They get behind. They're a seven and a half point dog. In a full point PPR, though, if they get behind, you got to think Tyrod Taylor's going to be dumping the ball off to him a lot. Yeah, and I think uh, similar to the first game, Baltimore-Cleveland that we mentioned, there's really not a lot here that I love too much in uh, four cash games. Uh, I don't see this game necessarily blowing up, but I do think that Carolina wins it and pulls it off at home by at least a touchdown. Um, I'm fine with Cam Newton this week. Um, probably not a uh, priority for me. And I do think that Kelvin Benjamin bounces back a little bit after a very lightly targeted week one. Uh, just you know, just one catch last week for uh, 25 yards, I believe. So I would consider that combination in tournaments. Uh, the art, the running backs are just tough, a little tough for me to project in this one. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see McCoy stuffed a lot, uh, have uh, you know perhaps a light yardage day, but sort of make up for it by cashing a few passes and and probably getting in the end zone. So if there's one touchdown that uh, that they score this week. I think it may come from McCoy. Uh, as for, you know, the other running backs, uh, the running backs on the other side, it's a good spot for uh, Christian McCaffrey to continue to get involved. Uh, but I do think that if there's anybody that can pop into, you know, you know, two into the box, I think it's a guy like Jonathan Stewart, uh, especially if they're going to get those, uh, those, uh, you know, opportunities lining up at the goal line. Um, and then I have some light interest in the Buffalo passing game. 
Uh, wouldn't mind going back to the well on Charles Clay, who I think is, you know, obviously has a great connection dating back to uh, last season, in the second half of last season with uh, Tyrod Taylor, uh, one of my favorite tight ends this year. Uh, but again, I'm not going crazy for it. And, uh, you know, I can see his price starting to shoot up, especially if he scores another touchdown in this game. Uh, but for the most part, not too excited and not too excited by this matchup. Yeah, I think I like McCoy a little more than you do. Um, I, I like that Carolina gave up eight catches to 49 running backs last week. Uh, Carlos Hyde had six. Kyle Juszczyk had two. So a lot of, uh, especially in a, in a DraftKings format where you get a full point per uh, per catch, um, I do like McCoy, especially to get behind. I think he catches a lot of passes in the second half. I think I'm going to be a little, uh, little heavier on McCoy than most people. I know he's not cheap, but uh, I think his second half could be really interesting for him. Yeah. And you know what? This is, uh, you know, I mean, last year, uh, I'm sorry, last week there, you know, you nailed a couple of the plays that that really stuck out to me when we were talking. I know we both like Delaney Walker. You happen to like him a lot more. And also you'd mentioned Sammy Watkins is somebody that I paid attention to uh, and studied up a little closer on after the podcast. And obviously you could have had a much better game, but I thought it was a pretty solid debut. And so the first Scott Jenstad uh, sort of, um, you know, a guy you're you'll be overweight on this week, uh, you know, per DFS terms will be LaShawn McCoy writing it down yeah I was a little disappointed by Watkins I, I was just surprised how little he played he didn't play a ton of snaps and I know they had a big lead um, I thought the Rams were going to win that game but the, the, the pick sixes by Tolzien just kind of made Watkins uh, irrelevant in the second half but uh, I thought it was going to be a little bit better than that but he wasn't horrible I think he was 5 for 52 or something like that how about Arizona and Indianapolis? Arizona are currently seven and a half point favorites. Uh, the the uh, implied total is 44. Uh, what, what do you think of this game, Scott? Uh, I have no interest in anybody in Indianapolis, to be honest. Uh, they they look terrible last week. They'll, they'll start to show Jacoby Brissett this week, quarterback, which helps a little bit. He has a big arm. Um, T.Y. Hilton's kind of the only guy. He's down to 7,200. If you're really going for a GPP flyer, he's obviously super talented, but he has Patrick Peterson guarding him. Um, Jacoby Brissett probably take a couple shots from deep, but not someone I'm playing in any kind of uh, you know any kind of my main lineups or my cash lineups. On the Arizona side, though, your boy Larry Fitzgerald, 13 targets week one. The Colts gave up a ton of uh, yards to Rams receivers last week, 194 yards between the three Rams wide receivers on only 13 catches. You gotta like Larry Fitz. I imagine he'll be popular again though. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think this line is probably uh, a little too low. I could see Arizona winning this by at least 10. Uh, I know Palmer uh, looked like he was toast and everyone is calling for his uh, uh, imminent demise. But, uh, you know, for some reason, with my little contrarian opinion here, uh, I think he does bounce back a little bit. Uh, I know he was missing a little zip on the ball and he is in the twilight of his career. But um, you know how it is with a guy like this. Just when you presume he's dead is uh, a lot of times when he usually steps up. Uh, on the wide receiver side with Eric for Arizona, shocker, John Brown is dealing with a quad injury yet again. <laughs> and I think for this reason, I really like J.J. Nelson as a tournament flyer. Uh, first, you know, first perhaps get some deep shots uh, from Palmer if he can connect with him uh, against this depleted Indy secondary. And especially with no Vontae Davis, he's uh, obviously their only really good cornerback. Uh, cor- uh, you know, Larry Fitz is obviously in play uh, for cash, especially uh, as far as the running backs are concerned. You know, you've got uh, I think it's kind of messy, especially on the Arizona side. You got, you know, Kerwin Williams, who's supposed to be the starter. Ellington's going to get the third down work. Chris Johnson, who was just signed, is going to get mixed in. Um, and then sh- and then uh, Marlon Mack, surprisingly, almost had as many uh, snaps as Frank Gore last week. So I think that's something to keep an eye on going forward. 34 uh, percent compared to Gore's 38 percent. So not interested in them uh, in this game uh, other than perhaps a, uh, 
you know, you're doing max entries and want to throw some flyers out there that definitely could work. Um, but yeah, outside of that, really um, not loving a lot about this game. A very light interest in the indie passing game, um, especially with Hilton. Yes, he is back home where he has a better split, uh, obviously plays a lot better on that track. Uh, but I think the only way Hilton will be able to be utilized is when he moves into the slot and avoids Patrick Peterson. Um, but, you know, outside of that, um, really not a lot that I love here. Yeah, the only split I really care about with Hilton is, you know, Andrew Luck versus not Andrew Luck. And it's really <laughs> it's really ugly when you look at it when games Luck doesn't play. I just I can't pay the price. If he was 6200 maybe, you know, he is cheaper. But, um, you know, the you mentioned John Brown, and John Brown was the guy that I really liked in this game. He had uh, – he had nine targets last week. He played 63 snaps last week. I loved him at 5,800 as a cheap GPP flyer. But as you said, you know, he's hurt again. Quadricep injury. Uh, I want to read some more about that. If he comes out and he practices tomorrow and Friday, he's someone that I really, really like this week. I think that uh, the uh, the underrated part of David Johnson being injured is that there's going to be a lot of targets available. They're not going to all go to Andre Ellington either. They're going to have to mix around the wide receivers. Johnson got a ton of targets out of the backfield. I love John Brown. I just don't know if he's healthy enough to play. Um, but I'm going to risk him in a couple of GPPs if he's if he's active. That that sounds good. Uh, I know you can't quit him, and uh, I don't blame you. The guy's definitely very talented. Yeah. Uh, yeah outside, outside of that, I mean, the only other name that's worth mentioning is Jack Doyle. Um, literally because he is, uh, you know, somebody that, you know, is that check down option. Uh, you know, Tolzien was leaning, leaning on him early in the game last week. And, uh, you know, I'm not a, su- a super big fan of his skill set, but I think he can be a play in fantasy. Obviously, we want Andrew Luck back. That make a big difference. Uh, his backup, and uh, Eric Swope, is on IR, I believe. And so, um, yeah, just keep an eye on Jack Doyle going forward. Not somebody I'm going to go crazy about today, but, uh, you know, definitely someone to keep an eye on. Uh, what about Tennessee and Jacksonville? Um, does, does that seem to you like it's going to be a defensive battle? It's a one and a half uh, spread with Tennessee as the favorites, a, an implied total of 43.5. Yeah, it feels like a, a defensive battle with a lot of running game. Um, not uh, not a huge fancy game for me. On the Tennessee side, I really liked how the Jacksonville defense looked last week. Um, no one really flashed me for Tennessee. I know you mentioned you like how Derrick Henry looked. I just didn't like much there aside from Corey Davis. I think Tennessee's kind of a pass for me. Uh, I'm probably not going to be playing many guys on their offense this week. Yeah, I mean, it just seems to me because of uh, you've got a couple of solid defenses there, it's going to be another one of those uh, uh, low-scoring games. Uh, and, you know, it's it's – the best spot really is the Tennessee secondary, which is that's the only true susceptibility. So uh, and but as we know, the Jags are appearing like they're going like they are more of a running team. Don't want to put Bortles in bad positions <laughs> that he's capable of making lots of mistakes. Uh, you know, Jalen Ramsey, one of the uh, cornerbacks for Jacksonville is actually day to day. So that's at least one little bit piece of good news for the Tennessee uh, passing game. But of course, AJ Bowie will still be there. Um, yeah, really not a lot to like here. Uh, obviously Decker disappointed last week. Rashard Matthews was great. Uh, Corey Davis, like you mentioned, uh, you expect to have a big second half. He looked phenomenal, led the team in target share. Uh, he's going to be tough uh, to, you know, it's going to be tough with this team picking the targets week to week. But like you said, he may uh, sort of rise to the crop. Uh, you know, sort of rise to the top. What about the running backs? Uh, you know, Fournette, for example, is, you know, he's obviously looked like a workhorse in week one. I've remixed in a little bit here and there, but uh, he's fully priced now at his salary at 7,600. Shockingly more expensive than DeMarco Murray this week, who's 7,500. 
Yeah, Fournette's kind of the one guy that I might consider. I think they're just going to feed him the ball so much. He had 29 touches last week. He had 26 rushes for 100 yards. Not a great yards per carry, but you know when you're getting that kind of volume, he just creates a nice floor, especially in cash games. Um, you know, 29 touches is a ton, especially for a week one rookie. He had 20 touches in the first half, too, so they kind of even eased off him in the second half. Uh, he had a really fortunate game script, though. you got to realize that. They were killing Houston the whole way. They had a big lead. One of those things, they, they could afford to give him the ball a lot. But uh, I thought Marshawn Lynch looked good against the Tennessee defense. He ran for about, he ran for 18 carries for 76 yards. He had a pretty solid day. And Marshawn, you know, someone that obviously coming off retirement. So I think the Tennessee run defense can be, can be slashed a little bit. Fournette's probably the most, the guy I'm most interested in this game. What about Philadelphia and the Chiefs? Uh, does this seem like another defensive battle to you? It does have a high implied total of 48. Chiefs favored by four and a half as of uh, Wednesday evening. What do you think? I like this game. I think this is one of the uh, one of the under the radar really good games of the weekend. Uh, the Chiefs are fa- like you said. Chiefs are favored by four and a half. I don't love uh, I don't love the Philadelphia offense. I just don't like players in Kansas City. That that crowd's crazy. They're really loud. The defense, the Chiefs defense is really good. They pressured Tom Brady a ton. He was like 16 for 36. Felt like he was getting up off his back the whole night. Um, I don't like LeGarrette Blount. I don't like any of the receivers for Philly. The only guy on the Eagles I'd consider is probably Zach Ertz. He seems like he's the guy right now. Carson Wentz is kind of security blanket right there. Uh, the key is that Eric Berry's out. He's the guy that really shut down Rob Gronkowski. Uh, Zach Ertz had eight catches and eight targets for 93 yards last week. He's probably the one guy from the Philadelphia offense that uh, if I were going to you know, really dig down and pick, pick someone out, it would be Zach Ertz. Yeah, I think uh, Zach Ertz is going to be a uh, staple in a lot of cash game lineups once again this week. Uh, obviously very consistent, dating back to uh, second half of last season and actually going back the last few years in terms of uh, you know be- ranking among the top five in receptions uh, per season among tight ends. Uh, and, you know, as for Alshon Jeffrey, poor guy gets a second tough matchup in a row after getting Josh Norman last week. Now he gets Marcus Peters, who also happens to lead the NFL in interceptions over the last two years. Uh, I'm not too big on Nelson Aguilar this week. Uh, I think last week's TD uh, was a little fluky where the defender missed a very easy sack on Carson Wentz. Uh, you know, if I'm going anywhere on the Philly uh, side of the ball through the air, it would be with Torrey Smith for a GPP upside. I know that's that's somebody you like as well. Um, not really interested in the Philly running game. Uh, you know, I did did have Blunt on a couple GPPs last week. He got that cheap touchdown, but honestly, uh, and, and, a, and a passing touchdown nonetheless. But, uh, you know, you'll never see that again in, in our lifetimes. And uh, honestly, he doesn't really catch passes. It's not going to happen. Do love Kareem Hunt, but he is the sixth priciest running back this week. Uh, But honestly, I'd be shocked if last week wasn't uh, his best performance of the season. If there's one guy uh, in in this game that you had to take, who would it be? Uh, for me, it would be actually be Travis Kelsey. Really quiet last week. Uh, five catches for 40 yards in that in that big game for the Chiefs. Did have nine targets though. I know that the Philly or the uh, the Philadelphia defense held Jordan Reed to only only 36 yards, but I just think the Chiefs are going to want to get Kelsey going, especially at home. I know Malcolm Jenkins is a good safety for the Eagles, but I think that uh, I think that everybody's going to be watching Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt, really focusing on them on the defensive uh, game plan. I like Kelsey to bust out with probably uh, 80 yards and a touchdown this week. That sounds good to me. I like it. Writing it down. Scott Jenstad play number two. So what do you, what do you, what do you do with Kareem Hunt this week? 
Uh, that's a good question. I think as we go through some of the other games, you'll see where I love people and I do want to have some Kareem Hunt exposure um, this week, but I don't know if I would be playing him on my number one uh, cash lineup to, uh, this week. Uh, but the one guy I wanted to mention, just because it appears that he's going to have a nice little mismatch, uh, and he was a beast last week, and that's Tyreek the Freak Hill. Um, you know, he interests me especially even more so because their uh, Philadelphia's top cornerback, Ronald Darby, acquired in the offseason, went down with a dislocated ankle. He will not be playing. And truly their best, uh, you know, cornerback uh, right now is Jalen Mills, who, uh, you know, had that, that funky uh, green hair last year, if you remember, uh, <laughs> you know, matching his Eagles colors. Um, but he's still a bit overrated in his second year. I think he's a little slow. Um, and I think that's an, an opportunity that Tyreek Hill can get advantage, take advantage of. For people that like um, are considering going, if you're liking Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and this just came to me, I mean, it wouldn't uh, be off the cuff to to go with an Alex Smith, Tyreek Hill, uh, and Travis Kelsey uh, little mini stack there going in uh, some tournaments. That'll definitely be low percentage. And before we get to the the big the big Sunday morning game, the uh, Patriots and Saints, a quick note from our sponsor, FanDuel. Fantasy football fans, the wait is nearly over. Football is back, which means FanDuel is back. Fantasy football for for everyday fans, what FanDuel is. New contests starting every week. No busted seasons. If you drafted David Johnson, that is not a problem on FanDuel. You get to pick a new lineup this week. There's something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from, starting at just one dollar, going all the way up to pretty much as much as you want to play. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. It's obviously a lot of fun. You know, there's a lot of big matchups this week. If you didn't draft Tom Brady and you want to play him against the Saints this week, you know, FanDuel's there for you to do that. If uh, last week I didn't draft Antonio Brown anywhere, I never had him in a good draft spot, so I was able to play him. Obviously a lot of fun. You get to pick who you want. There are over 2.5 million players who have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. Take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. That's RW. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million. Obviously, offers more than one million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com/rw. Void where prohibited. So now that uh, we talked a little bit about uh, FanDuel and Tom Brady, we get to the Saints, the Saints uh, Patriots game. One of the two big over/unders of the game. Over/under 54 and a half. New England favored by six and a half. Um, Vlad, I take it you're going to love this game. Uh, we got to we got to dig down. Who do you who do you particularly love in the game, though? So not only do I love this game, but everybody and their grandmothers is going to love this game. And oh, the yeah. other thing to note is this game, uh, the line on this has moved. It opened at 53 and a half. It's up to a whopping 56. Wow. And <laughs> it's a monster. So my favorite game to target in both cash and GPPs. Uh, but hitting on the right pieces of this game is going to be uh, both hard, but absolutely vital to uh, to success and seeing some green this weekend. Uh, I think a pissed off Tom Brady is in an absolute great spot. We've seen uh, p- uh, pissed off Brady in action before after taking such a brutal loss last week. I could easily see him uh, racking up the touchdowns in this one, throwing for three to four touchdown passes. Uh, the one thing to note is his price of uh, 9200 is the uh, is the highest of, of the group today. There were uh, there were two games last year. Brady threw uh, no touchdowns. The game after in those two games, he had a four-touchdown game and a three-touchdown game. So like you said, pissed off Tom Brady is something you don't want. Uh, but that's really expensive for a quarterback. It's hard to get running backs in when you spent that much on a quarterback. But, man, the Saints got lit up by Sam Bradford, 364 yards, three touchdowns. Brady's got to be huge this week. It's, it's, hard to see a, it's hard to see a game flow where he's not really big. 
No, and uh, you know, and I think my all-around favorite target would probably be a target that's going to be everyone else's, and that's Chris Hogan. Um, I think he's going to be really popular in cash games because he is very cheap, going to be a cash game staple. And last week actually led all Pats receivers, uh, even though the performance wasn't all that uh, uh, stellar. And Amendola got all the big yardage and even Cooks had 80-plus yards. Um, he led all receivers in snaps last week, playing 73 of 81. Uh, and, you know, obviously Cooks is in a great spot as well. We got the revenge game narrative facing his former team in the mix. Um, just so much. Uh, and then, of course, one of my favorite uh, running backs this week is going to be James White. And, uh, you know, somebody that, uh, you know, with Amendola not being in the mix possibly this week, I think he's somebody that's going to be on so many people's radars. And as I start sort of, you know, looking and, and reading around, uh, I'm seeing a lot of James White out, out there, which uh, disappoints. Hey, that's that's just small. people know where, you know, where the good uh, matchups are. Um, you know, he was on the field with, with Gillisley a lot last week and actually handled a higher percentage of the snaps when uh, they were on the field together. So, um, you know, James White, Chris Hogan, and I mean, goodness, I haven't even mentioned Gronk. Uh, you know, w- w- how do you see this game playing out? I'm uh, I'm all about Brandon Cooks in this game. While, while the Patriots looked bad week one, I love the fact that they looked deep to Cooks a lot. He was three for 88. He had one big catch. He also drew four penalties. So it's one of those things that he was really close to a huge game. We got a couple uh, couple balls that would have been caught, but they were pass interference calls. He's clearly the guy that gets the deep looks. Brady looked at him a lot. Brady was throwing the ball deep a lot. I don't think the Saints can cover him. On that fast turf in New Orleans, we've seen how he used to play in home games. Um, I'm all about Brandon Cooks this week. I know that's not uh, you know really reinventing the wheel or anything. He's 7,900. I will have a lot of Brandon Cooks this week. He's probably my favorite play in this whole game. Yeah, and you know what? I know we had a couple of occasions last year, one, uh, and even over the last two years, where you know where there was really unconventional, um, you know, sort of maxing out players on a single team, like you did with Pittsburgh with the running game and the passing game. Same thing with uh, uh, New Orleans last year when they had that one big performance and, and everybody was sort of involved. I can see something like that this week in tournaments where you kind of pick the right pieces of it. You know, it could be you know Gronk and James White, or you know with Brady, or you know or, or Cooks and and Gillisley. I mean, like, who really knows? But I think figuring out who those are and almost sort of projecting how you think this game is going to turn out um, offensively is going to be a real key for us this week. Yeah, you don't see many games where Vegas has uh, the implied total and team over 30, and that's what the Patriots are this week. But what about Gronk? Uh, didn't look good last week. Had a, had a TD that he lost upon review. Eric Berry kind of took him out of that game. I thought he looked a little slow, a little old. He's not old, but he kind of looked slow and old last week. That's usually the time when Gronkowski comes back to uh, have a huge game. Uh, where do you fall on Gronkowski? Obviously, he's going to be expensive with the tight ends. He's 8,100. It's hard to play him and Brady and get much else. But uh, someone, is Gronk someone going to be uh, playing a lot of this week? I don't think a lot, and I think it may end up being to the detriment of my wallet. Uh, but we'll see how it shakes out. I think really the main issue is his price there, um, really fully priced. And I think there are some options uh, cheaper down the line that can help us, uh, you know, get the Cookses in. I think people are going to want some Julio Jones this week as well. Um, and so, you know, it's just really tough unless you think he's going to have one of those, you know, 150 yard, two touchdown type performances and, you know, goes three, four X on his salary. Um, but outside of that, um, I'll probably have some exposure in tournaments, but I'm not probably going to be overweight on it. So we talk about game script a lot, and it, it could not be better for the Saints. You know, this is a game that they're at home. They're obviously a much better team at home, but they're also an underdog. They're about a seven-and-a-half-point underdog, which means they're going to be coming out right away trying to score. They're going to be likely behind in the second half. Drew Brees is going to be throwing a ton. You know, you can see Drew Brees throwing 50 times this this week. So I, I, everybody talks about New England getting all their guys, but 
where do you fall on the Saints? There could be a lot of action on that side too. Yeah, and I think what you'll see also in, in in a lot of tournaments where people are covering both sides of this game, expecting exactly this type of game script, New England getting off to that big lead, angry, angry Brady going nuts, and then uh, you know having Breeze you know throw all those passes. And the question is, where are they going to go? Um, you know, it could be uh, some more vulturing by a you know like a Tommy Lee Lewis or a Brandon Coleman type, where you know they steal the touchdowns. Maybe even a Josh Hill just to really piss people off this week. Um, but besides that. It's going to be like a Michael Thomas type of, you know, volume play. The one issue is, is we know that Belichick is always, you know, and they were successful last week um, taking uh, Kelsey out of the game uh, and really getting out of the game plan. And they sort of do that every week, every every season. People know that Michael Thomas is probably the guy that they're going to want to uh, make sure isn't a factor. And so that could perhaps open up some uh, deep ball garbage time from one Mr. Ted Ginn. All a matter if you can catch him. Yeah, it's, uh, it is a matter of catching. It's always the issue with Ted, with Ted Ginn. I like him at 6,100 also. He had five targets last week. He looked pretty active. He looked kind of like fast uh, Ted Ginn. Um, you know, the uh, the Minnesota pass rush caused Drew Brees to rush a couple times, so he couldn't really look downfield for him. I don't think New England's pass rush will be quite as good. They really struggled against against Alex Smith and the Chiefs. Um, what about the, the Saints running backs? They're, they're a full avoid for me right now. They just they mixed and matched so much. I mean, Alvin Kamara, I think, ended up playing the most snaps, even more than Ingram and way more than Adrian Peterson. Peterson was upset in the sideline. I don't know if that will uh, you know make Sean Payton play him more. I'm just avoiding the New, the New Orleans running backs for now. I'm just not going to mess with it. Yeah, I mean, did, did, did I read something that he even he shoved Peyton or something like that? There was there were some rumors about that. I saw the conversation on the sideline. I haven't seen the the shoving in the locker room confirmed, but there were some were some, were some reports of that. Yeah, I mean, it's a, that running game. Unfortunately, with the way that I see the game script going, is uh, is a full fade for me. I think if anything, uh, you know, if if I'm building multiple lineups or I'm you know you know throwing in some uh, some millie maker plays, Sunday million plays. Um, and, and maxing out entries, then perhaps I might have a little bit of Alvin Kamara. Um, besides that, honestly, there's just way too much action all over the slate this weekend. Yeah, with uh, with a lot of people going Brady, Matt Ryan, and Aaron Rodgers, I think a I think a Drew Brees, Ted Ginn, and maybe Michael Thomas uh, mix could be really nice in tournaments. So, what about Minnesota and Pittsburgh? Obviously, we've already discussed several times today about uh, that Minnesota pass game. They are on the road for this one. In a 45-point implied total, nice and moderate, with Pittsburgh favored by slightly under a touchdown. I'm a, I'm a fade on the Minnesota offense this week. Uh, I want to see it, and on the road, I don't love it. I like what Pittsburgh does, bringing different blitz packages. Um, no Stephen Tuitt does help uh, Dalvin Cook in terms of the running game, but the one guy I do like in Minnesota right now is Stephon Diggs, especially in a game where they're a seven-point underdog. I think he could be especially nice in PPR, really low percentage guy. I don't think a lot of people will be on digs with so many options this week. I like the game script for him. If they get behind, I think they feed him a lot in the second half, a lot of underneath passes to digs. Um, Corey Coleman had some success last week against the Steelers. He was 553 and a touchdown. I think digs could, uh, I think digs get eight, eight to 10 passes this week. Yeah. And I actually think Minnesota hangs with Pittsburgh on this one. Um, I don't think we'll see the full onslaught barrage of a, uh, of a fully ready Le'Veon Bell, but he is the highest running back this week. Uh, and it's hard to get pieces of this, you know, the, the, the passing game from new Orleans, new England and Atlanta green Bay and play Le'Veon Bell. So, you know, just a matter of, from a matter of that, the way that roster construction works this week, he's going to be under owned. And so if you like Lev Bell this week, this is your one week to get him cheap because after this, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, not cheap, but at low owned after this, you know, obviously goes back to normal. Probably, uh, the one guy that I'm interested in, uh, in this matchup is, uh, Martavis Bryant, 
who I think could bounce back uh, a, a little bit after last week's disappointing performance, just two catches on six targets or 14 yards. Uh, he's got a really nice ma- matchup with cornerback Trey Wayans, while Antonio Brown, who obviously is, uh, for the most part, unguardable, he's going to have his hands full with Xavier Rhodes, uh, who I think is an absolute stud. And so, um, you know, I think they might open up some targets for Martavis Bryant. Um, as far as Diggs and Thielen in this matchup, um, you know, again, I'm not going overboard with these guys. Um, you know, I think we, the other thing we need to keep an eye on is, is Bradford, who was actually limited in practice on Wednesday with a with a minor knee injury. Um, and so we want to make sure that he's fully good to go. Otherwise, the, the Pittsburgh can just smash him. Ah, you're fine. Sam Bradford never gets hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I love, love, love Martavis Bryant this week. I think uh, I think Minnesota is going to you know double cover Antonio Brown. They're going to have Xavier Rhodes on him. They're going to slide his safety over too. He's so good. I love Martavis Bryant to catch one, if not two, long touchdowns this week. Uh, he's a 6,200 on FanDuel. I think a lot of people are upset. He was like two for 15 last week. Just a disaster last week with a lot of ownership. I love going back to the well on guys who struggle uh, the, 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 the previous week. I'm big on Martavis Bryant this week. One of my, one of my favorite plays of the whole weekend. Sounds good, man. I'm, uh, sounds like we're on the same page. So uh, mark that one down for me as well. So the uh, the Bears are headed to Tampa Bay. The the Buccaneers obviously did not play last week due to uh, Hurricane Irma. Uh, the the Bucks are a seven point favorite over under a forty three. This is a tough game for me to figure out. Uh, you know, last week uh, Tariq Cohen was the big star. He was on the Millie Maker winner at point two percent last week. He had, uh, you know, eight catches. He had 12 yards per carry, 66 yards rushing on five carries. I think he's a sucker play this week. I think he's not someone to go back to. I think if you you missed the goodness last week, I'm not jumping right in. I kind of like the Tampa Bay defense. I think that they're going to be better than they were last year. Gerald McCoy appears to be pretty healthy. He struggled with uh, a little bit of a groin injury in camp, but healthy now. I think Tariq Cohen's a sucker play this week. I'm probably against this one, though. Yeah, no, it, and, and that's that's about right. I, I think you'll see a lot of uh, ownership. I, I don't mean a lot, but you could possibly see, you know, 8 to 10% ownership on a, a guy like Terry Cohen. But, you know, just, just even in a bad game script, I, you know, that's just not something I want to chase with all the glorious options that we have. Uh, I'm not too particularly excited about this game. Um, just a couple things that I'll note is I do believe that we'll see Kendall Wright a bit more involved this week. He was the, uh, you know, sort of chalk du jour last week that uh, ended up busting. And so, um, you know, honestly, they're they're just uh, they're hurting for for, uh, you know, re- receivers over there in uh, Chicago. So um, Kendall Wright might bounce back a little bit. Um, other than that, you know the Bucks are just chomping at the bit for some action. Um, you know, Jaquise Rogers may be in some tournaments. If you know, say you're building 20 lineups, but uh, if I'm getting any exposure here whatsoever, it'll probably be with uh, perhaps Mike Evans or Deshaun Jackson, where you've got some major mismatches with the Bears secondary. The problem is Mike Evans at 8,500. He's a pretty penny, and Djax is a little cheaper. I I actually love Jaquiz Rogers. He's one of my favorite plays. I think he's going to be way off the radar. I think that uh, people don't really think about him as the starting running back. He had five games last year where he played 35-plus snaps. He had 101 yards, 154 yards, 69, 63, and 75 in those games. He really proved he can handle that role. Doug Martin is out. I think Quiz Rogers is the first and second down guy. Charles Sims will play a lot in third down. Uh, the Bears allowed the six most rushing yards in 2016. They were good week one. Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman really struggled. But uh, Jarrell Freeman, their starting linebacker, is uh, out for the season. Concussion and a pectoral injury. My only concern on Rodgers is maybe they share the ball a little bit with some of the running backs. But uh, I think at 6,600, he's not super cheap. So I think that'll be keep people off him. 
I think he is a super sneaky play this week that's really going to pay off. He's he's one of my favorite under the radar plays this week. I like him. We'll move him out of uh, past the top uh, top twenty lineups to one of your top three. It works for me. Sold. There, there you go. I, I also like the Tampa Bay D a little bit. I think, you know, a week off I like for a defense. A week off for an offense you don't really like with the rustiness. I think they're going to – they're at home. It's going to be a lot of fire. Um, I think Mike Glennon makes some second-half mistakes. The Bears uh, the Bears were sacked four times by Atlanta last weekend. So I think the Bucks get some sacks. I think the Bucks get some turnovers. Uh, the Bucks D at 4,500 is kind of one of the uh, – again, under-the-radar plays. I think a lot of people are going to be on, uh, on Oakland and Seattle and Arizona and Baltimore – I think Tampa Bay slides on low, low ownership percentage. I think they're a really good defensive target, too. I'm with it. I'm absolutely with it. What about the uh, the afternoon games, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, starting with Miami and the Chargers? Yeah, I've had trouble with this game. I can't really figure out what to do with Jay Ajayi. He's only 7,900. It's just hard. You know, they didn't play last week, and we saw a lot of offenses really rusty last week. With You know, they didn't get much preseason action. So I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of a little worried about Ajayi. He had half his yards last year in three games, so... When he hit, he hit big, but he also had a lot of struggling games. Um, C.J. Anderson did run pretty well against San Diego. Jamal Charles did too. They had 121 yards combined. Um, struggling how to what to do with Ajayi. Where do you fall on that one? Uh, I is he, I Ajayi uh, Jay Ajayi is going to be uh, somebody that I think I'm just not going to have a lot of shares in. Um, I think in this game, it's going to be one of those where I think there are going to be a lot of defensive mistakes. I think we're going to see a couple of interceptions, uh, you know, possibly on on both sides. It's going to be interesting with uh, the the debut of Jay Cutler in uh, Dolphins Teal. Um, And uh, and a pick pick six is absolutely possible. Not something that we can project, but, you know, something that definitely uh, can occur in a game like this. Um, Obviously, Chargers uh, home game here. Uh, I am chomping at the bit to deploy Devontae Dolphins. Devonte Parker, uh, but this is just not the matchup for it. No. Um, you know, I just really hate any perimeter re- receivers against Jason Verrett and, and Casey Hayward, who are ab- absolute beasts. I think Parker's going to see a lot of Verrett in this one. Uh, you know, with Kenny Stills on, um, you know, being handled by Hayward, and I think so. Perhaps this might open up something a little bit for uh, for Jarvis Land- Landry, who seems to sort of fall under the radar. There's a ton of quarterbacks this week that we like, but why is Phillip Rivers only 7,000? That jumped out to me if you're going to go down the page. Um, he had three touchdowns against the Broncos, who are obviously a really good defense. Um, at, a, at a home game for 7,000, I thought Phillip Rivers jumped out to me as a, as a real bargain this week. I'm with it, and I'm also, I'm also with pairing him up with Keenan Allen. Um, obviously, a little bit more uh, solid over on DK, where you're getting the full point for receptions. Either way, Keenan Allen, as long as he's healthy, is a guy that's going to be a really nice, solid uh, cash game play. Um, outside of that, just somebody to keep an eye in general. Not someone I'm necessarily targeting uh, now, but it could even be for your season-long drafts. Uh, and a guy I have a couple shares of is Travis Benjamin. And you know, when he's healthy and he's on, I think he's a really uh, solid slot receiver that has the trust of Philip Rivers. Um, you know, just somebody that's a little bit better for the full point PPR setup, especially when he's uh, pretty much close to mid salary. So what about uh, what about Melvin Gordon? Uh, you know, obviously he's a guy that gets a ton of volume. He had 18 carries against Denver, didn't do a lot with it, only 54 yards, but also had five catches. He scored a touchdown through the air. Um, the Ram- Miami Run D struggled a lot in 2016. They gave up 160 plus yards to, to opposing offenses seven times. It's half the season. I think Gordon's a really nice floor play. I really like him for cash games. I think he has some upside, but I think the volume and the fact going against a good run or a bad run defense, I think that's an interesting uh, cash guy that may get a little overlooked. You know, everybody wants to play Le'Veon Bell and Ezekiel Elliott. Um, Ajayi may get in there, and you know, people like Todd Gurley again. But uh, I think Gordon's the cash play that uh, that I like the most this week. 
Yeah, and he's really uh, decently priced there at uh, 7600 sort of in that glut with uh, where a lot of people are going to lean towards Kareem Hunt. And, uh, you know, you've even got Todd Gurley there, who I don't think many people are going to play, uh, probably get some love for Leonard Fournette. Um, and even Marshawn Lynch, if you're going down to 7,200. So there's, uh, you know, people are going to want to go after the shiny new toy. Uh, Melvin Garden won a lot of people a lot of money last year uh, be- until he got hurt. But looking in this price range and looking at this game that just doesn't look too pretty, you're going to see a lot of people jumping up to Kareem Hunt. And I wouldn't be surprised if Mel- Melvin Gordon uh, beats him in fantasy points straight up this week. Uh, I agree there, and I'm not I'm not always the biggest Gordon fan. I don't think he's quite as good as his numbers, but the volume is nice, and uh, I really like the I like the matchup. I like the matchup at home as a favorite. They're favored by four and a half points. If they got lead in the second half, I think you're gonna see a ton of Melvin Gordon. So how about the Jets in Oakland? Um, I honestly don't have <laughs> too much to say about this game, but I'll I'll, uh, I'll throw in my comments after you t- tell me what you think. Yeah, I mean, on the Jets side, obviously no interest. The only interesting GPP kind of guy is actually Jermaine Curse. He's 5,400 on FanDuel. Could be a great game flow for him. The Raiders are fared by 14. Um, he's dirt cheap, 5,400. He had nine targets last week. He was kind of the guy they threw the ball to a bunch. Um, Rashard Matthews and Corey Davis combined for 140 yards last week against the Raiders. He's the only guy I'd even remotely consider on the Jets. Yeah, and you know what? For, for me, for $300 cheaper, I'd consider Robbie Anderson, who I think has that big splash play upside. Um, especially if the game script goes how we think it is with the Raiders favored by 14. But, I mean, pretty much, uh, you know, can can you say blowout? That's kind of what we're looking at here. Um, That's sort of my main problem with uh, targeting too many players from this game outside of perhaps that uh, nicely correlated running back uh, combo with the defense, Lynch and the Oakland D. Uh, The only issue there being that uh, the Raiders are the second most expensive defense. And I do think people, a lot of people will, will automatically chase where they see Jets. Um, but nonetheless, I think it's a decent play. Um, could, what do you think about, do you think it could be an opportunity for them, uh, you know, Cooper and to sort of play uh, catch with Carr where, um, you know, sort of after his three drops last week that perhaps, um, you know, they can sort of, um, work on that in, in real time, um, in the end zone and probably, um, get to Cooper there as they, they were trying to all, all preseason. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I love Carr and Cooper and Crabtree in the first half. My just my concern is for you know, paying that price. I just don't know what you get in the second half. If they're up, you know, 24 to 3 at halftime, you're just not going to see a lot of balls in the air uh, the second half. I like Marshawn Lynch for that reason, but I just wonder how much they will work him. You know, I, will they feed him in the second half of the lead? He had 18 rushes last week, but only played 32 snaps. So he looked good. And when he was in, they gave him the ball. I just wonder if they're, if they're bleeding clock at the end of the game. I think they just might go to Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington and not put the miles on Lynch. And just sort of put a bow on this. Uh, Jalen Richard is uh, the, the, the clear third down back there. Um, you know, I, I think DeAndre Washington is, is just as talented. Just a little bit different, a little bit more of a, a goal line back uh, DeAndre Washington can be than, uh, than Jalen Richard. Um, but, hey, one of those two could be on a milli, uh, millionaire winning lineup uh, popping in a couple of touchdowns there in garbage time. Uh, what about Dallas and Denver? Uh, another potentially low-scoring game. Dallas favor um, on the road by two and a half, uh, over under a forty-three. I love this game from a football perspective. I think it's gonna be a really good game. I actually like—I don't like the Cowboys, but I like watching them play, um, watching them open up holes for Ezekiel and kind of run the ball. But none of it's really a good fantasy game script. I don't trust Trevor Simeon to do enough against the Dallas D. 
I also don't like playing paying up for guys against the Broncos, so I don't will probably won't go with Ezekiel in many places. Um, probably not Dak Prescott against that uh, Denver secondary. This is a game that I'm looking forward to watch from kind of a football fan perspective, but I don't know, not much fantasy wise really. I, I like it; it jumps out to me. Yeah, and in, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game in the teens, personally, uh, maybe in the low 20s. Um, you know, I think expect both offenses to basically have a tough time moving the ball via the pass. Um, I do am I do am am interested in in, in uh, Ezekiel Elliott, and uh, I think if, if if I'm paying up in some tournaments to be contrarian, I think that this is a spot to get him at um, against uh, people who are just going to see Denver and uh, sort of you know maybe drop down and go to someone else. Um, but obviously he was low owned last week with everybody going after uh, McCoy and Bell and Johnson and Gurley. Um, but, you know, the the one uh, Achilles heel here on Denver's uh, defensive side of the ball is the the run defense. They ranked 21st in uh, run DVOA last year. Uh, I don't think they addressed it too much in the offseason. And I think it could be a sneaky little spot for Mr. Zeke Elliott. That's an interesting play. You know, I kind of look at guys against Denver full price and I kind of toss them out. But you're right. I mean, he's going to be as low percent as you're going to get all year. Their offensive line can can move the ball against anybody. Um, I like that I like that he had five targets last week, too. He caught five balls out of the backfield. Dak was throwing to him a little bit. Uh, I tell you what, for a guy who, uh, you know, he had a lot of stuff surrounding him, and I was a little worried about how he's going to come out, played 60 snaps, had 24 carries, five catches. Uh, the guy can play. You know, say what you want about all the off-the-field stuff, but uh, Zeke's a stud in the running back department. Absolutely. And uh, what about Washington and the Rams? Uh, do you think this is going to be a uh, gross game? Is Cousins going to bounce back here? Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit of a a gross game. The guy that I love here, that I'm a big fan of this week, is Terrell Pryor. I liked him last week. He had 11 targets, 6 catches, 60 yards. But I tell you what, I watched a bunch of that game against the Eagles. He just missed a bunch of huge plays. He dropped a touchdown pass that would have been called back for holding anyway. There are a couple other deep balls he just missed. I felt like he was so close to being huge. And I love a guy like that, that they're clearly going to him. They're clearly focusing on him. I know the Rams play. The Rams secondary is good. The Rams played really well last week on defense. I just feel like they're going to feed Pryor. I think he's going to hit a couple big plays. Um, I think he's going to be lower percentage. People are a little bit burned by last week because he only had 66 yards. Against the Rams defense, people are a little bit worried. I love Terrell Pryor as a play this week. I'm with you, my friend. I'm nice. on board. All, I don't want to go as far as to say all in, but I'm pretty close to all in. Um, I, it's a great spot for Pryor. Everything you mentioned just now is exa- is my sentiment exactly. Uh, I think he's very cash game viable this week, uh, especially if he's going to tangle with cornerback Kayvon Webster, who will not be able to maintain him. I don't think anyone in the sec- in the uh, in the secondary can. Um, you know, they might going to be a little bit of double teaming on him. I think. Um, the other guy that's interesting here is Jamison Crowder in the slot against Nickel Roby uh, Coleman. I just don't see him putting up uh, a massive game like Gurley is. Uh, uh, Gurley, where am I going here? As uh, Pryor is capable of. So um, uh, where, where do you where do you yeah. fall on Gurley? I mean, he he did well last week in terms of scoring, and he thought he looked okay. I thought that uh, what we talked about last week was kind of them game planning for him getting the ball in space. I thought that kind of worked, but. He didn't do as much with it as, as I wanted to, so I'm uh, I'm a little bit pulled back on Gurley. I love I still like him. I still think they're going to get the ball to him in good spots, but I'm a little bit wondering if the big plays are coming. Yeah, and I think because um, he you know he did get in the end zone, um, he 
did get those uh, 53 receiving yards, and they we saw him involved as a pa- as a pass catcher. That's all great, but you know the fact that he didn't go ham in what could possibly be his best uh, spot of the game. You know the narrative is going to turn to just a lot of people are just going to be off of him, and so um, to me it's definitely nice that he is part of the receiving uh, game. This is just not a spot for me where I'm going to go too heavy with Todd Gurley. Um, I do know that I'm probably you know on, on where I'm. Pull, Busting out multiple lineups in tournaments, I'm probably going to want to throw a share on, of Gurley just to be contrarian. Um, but for the most part, it, it could be a spot where you're burning money if you go too heavy in Gurley. Either way, it doesn't matter. He's going to be very low owned this week with all the other options and all the other games. He had he had six targets in week one. He had six targets once all of last season. I have no idea yeah. what the hell Jeff Fisher was doing with that with that <laughs> offense last year. It was it's it's like embarrassing. You, it's your best player. Get in the ball. You know, see what he can do. It's just so bad. McVeigh is just such a better fit for for Gurley. Yeah, and we could do a whole another podcast on that topic <laughs> altogether. Um, outside of that, I mean. You know, Sammy Sammy Watkins, we talked about last week. Um, I think this is a little bit of a tougher spot for him. Uh, Bashad Breeland is, a, I think, one of the uh, one of the better cornerbacks in the league. I think he's going to stick to Watkins in this one. Not necessarily shadow, but he's going to keep him. Uh, you know, obviously, Watkins can blow up on a big play at any given time. Uh, but I think if I'm going after a receiver in this game, it's going to be uh, Cooper Cup. Um, but outside of that, you know, not too excited about the passing game on this side. Um, just not a big game for me to target in general. Yeah, I mean, you got you got Josh Norman running around back there too, and uh, I think that uh, I think Jared Goff's going to be seeing him in his sleep the next morning. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, my 49ers, who uh, came out and laid an egg in Week One, they head up to Seattle, where even when they were good, they sucked. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and just pass on the 49ers offense this week. I think Seattle's defense was really good last week. The, their offense let them down though. They played really well against Aaron Rodgers, only gave up 17 points. They were on the field for like 39 minutes of that game. I think Seattle has the best defense in the league right now. I think they showed it last week. Um, I want no part of the 49ers offense this week in any shape or form. Yeah, there's there's really no interest here for me as well. Um, if there's one, and you know I have to throw out my uh, you know uh, deep, deep shot contrarians, it's going to be Marquise Goodwin as sort of a what-the-heck GPP uh, garbage time play. Um, you saw Hoyer targeting him clearly on uh, on some deep shots that just missed against yep. Carolina last week, um, and I think you know something can open up for him in the second half. But again, it's not a very uh, you know smart play for cash games. We're not even thinking about anything from San Francisco on this side. Um, you know, I'm even scared to play Hyde in my season long leagues where obviously he was my third or fourth round pick. Um, but you know, I'm just going to have to do it. Um, you know, outside of that. Uh, I like Russell Wilson to bounce back here. Again, the worry is, is it just going to be first half action uh, for him if they do uh, go out to a big lead? Um, the other other uh, interesting guy that I'm looking at is somebody like Tyler Lockett, who I saw uh, Wilson looking at and uh, you know get a couple targets out to. I think he is uh, going to be part of a, a tournament winner at some point, win somebody a lot of money. Um, but you know, I. I know that a lot of people like Paul Richardson out there. Um, I think, you know, I'm going to kind of watch that closely because I think I'm going to be leaning towards the big plays from Tyler Lockett over the, uh, you know, consistent targets from, from Paul Richardson in, uh, in tournaments. Yeah. I thought, uh, I thought P rich looked pretty good last week, made a couple of nice catches at 5,200 this week. He's someone I'm definitely interested in. I'm kind of a, a cheap flyer guy. The guy I love here is Doug Baldwin. You know, I'm a little bit worried about game flow. If they get up to a big lead, 
and they always do against the 49ers in Seattle. I wonder how that's going to hurt him. But Baldwin's a different player at home. Last nine home games, he has 67 catches, 855 yards, and five touchdowns. Almost double his road usage when you look at fantasy points per game. Uh, Russell Wilson's a lot better at home, too. The Seahawks are just a different team at home. Uh, I think Baldwin's a guy that might sneak under the radar a little bit because people are worried about the game flow. A lot of people are going to be playing Julio. A lot of people are playing Cooks. Cooks and Baldwin are, are uh, $300 apart, so almost the same price. I think everyone's going to look at that and go to Cooks. I think Baldwin can go under-owned this week and might be really good. Yeah, and he's really affordably priced there at 7600 and you pretty much nailed it. Um, I think with a lot of people sort of moving towards two games, um, he's going to get under underlooked. And the point about the home splits are just you know incredible. And what if uh, San Francisco is able to somewhat hang and, and Baldwin gets even more involved? I mean, it really could be a monster game for him. So the final game of the day is uh, is one of the other one of the other big ones. It's uh, the Packers at the Falcons over under. Is that them calling? <laughs> yeah, that's Aaron Rodgers calling. He wants to he wants to talk about DFS lineups. Um, yeah, I don't know. Who, telemarketer probably. Who knows? Um, the Falcons yeah. are favored by two and a half. Huge game on Sunday night. Last game of the slate. Everybody's going to be looking for some hammers in this game. They're going to want some action in this game. It's going to be a lot of fun. People are going to have uh, all kinds of players, you know, waiting on their lineups to get in there. You're going to see people jump in the middle of GPPs to the top. Um, so how do we pick and choose here? Obviously, everybody loves almost everybody on these teams. How do we pick and choose? For, starting with Green Bay, who, who are your targets on the Green Bay offense that, that you like more than most? Uh, on the Green Bay side, uh, I'm liking Ty, Ty Montgomery as one of my uh, my favorite running back plays. Um you know, Jamal Williams, the rookie, was uh, basically non-existent last week as uh, Ty Montgomery received 90% of the snaps. Um, and so I think he's the guy that I'm really loving. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, of course, as well. Um, and then on the receiver side, I think we might see Jordy Nelson uh, tied up by Desmond Tufant. Um, obviously, he's been in that position before and has uh, been OK. But, um, you know, I think if I'm looking at anybody, it might be somebody like uh, Devontae Adams. Yeah, I love uh, I love Ty Montgomery. He's probably my favorite running back overall this week. I think he's way too cheap at 6,500. He played 74 snaps last week. Just huge usage for him. He was uh, he only had uh, 54 yards, but he was against that nasty Seattle D. Also caught four balls. Um, the Falcons are bad against the run last year. The the Bears ran all over them last week. I think Ty Montgomery's not only my favorite cheap play at running back, he's my favorite play play at running back. Uh, I'm with you. He's on. He's he's on my. Uh, he's on my on my lineup as as we speak right now. The first lineup that I built that I always do uh, earlier in the week. Yep. And, and you know, I, I mean, you know, this is a bit. This is going to be a really big game, and, and I think a lot of people are just going to want to you know load up on this, especially after last week's Sunday night hammer was something that you know wasn't expecting to be that high scoring anyways i mean you know obviously a lot of people other than like crazy me you know is going to play des bryant against janoris jenkins you know other than that he had a little bit of wit in action uh you know but for the most part you know no no odell beckham there really wasn't anything to go with this week you've got all kinds of crazy plays um what do you think about matt ryan um for me, he seems a little underpriced at 8200 and he comes in as the fifth most expensive quarterback. The one thing that I'll note is uh, last year's playoff matchup, I think a lot of people are going to sort of look to that. They're looking at the 392 passing yards, the four touchdowns, but I'm thinking that game was just a completely different everything, different environment, obviously, in the playoffs. This isn't week two. You know, this is week two now, and people are going to lean on that data point a little bit too much. Um, and I don't think he's going to come close to those numbers. Nevertheless, I do still love the matchup, uh, and and I'm interested in, in Matt Ryan this week. 
Yeah, I am too. You know, the Packers D was surprisingly really good last week against Russell Wilson, only 158 yards, but a lot of that was their pass rush. Wilson had no chance, and Seattle's offensive line is so abysmal that I think that skews that result a little bit. I love Ryan at home. He They ball in at home. You know, it's a new building this year, but still going to be a fast indoor turf in the uh, new Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, I love Julio Jones this week. I don't think that's uh, that's really breaking ground there. He was 9 for 180 and two touchdowns in that playoff game you mentioned last year. The thing I like with Julio, he has this history of going off after he has a quiet game. He only had 66 yards last week. Five of his biggest games last year were after games we had less than 70 yards. I think the mm-hmm. Falcons' game plan for him, and after you know, week after he has a, he has a quiet game, I think he gets fired up after he has a quiet game. I think he's going to really look forward to this matchup, prime time game Sunday night. Um, I still don't think the Packers can guard receivers, even though last week their pass rush really was huge. Uh, I think Julio Jones going to be on a ton of my teams this week. I think he'll be a really high percent too, which I don't love, but I think I love him enough where I'm going to overlook that. Yeah, and you know, I mean. Obviously, he's going to be chalky. Um, yep. Everybody's expecting the monster. Everyone's going to be on him. Uh, the one thing I'll note, and uh, you know, sort of just came to me, is that you know, Green Bay is really going to be uh, doing everything they can to, to stop this guy. And this team obviously has a lot of weapons, so much so that they released cornerback Ladarius Gunter. And so they're up to something there with their planning. I don't know if they're going to figure it out or even be able to stop a beast like Julio on in prime time. But it's worth noting. It will be very interesting to see what they do to try to stop him. Uh, in this game also, I like I like Martellus Bennett, too. He's 5,800 um, as a tight end for the Packers. Quiet last week. But, you know, Chicago uh, Chicago tight ends were actually good last week. He's landed. They had six catches of 70 yards. And they're kind of chumps. I mean, it's Deion Sims and Zach Miller, I believe, are the two guys that have the yards. I think Bennett's the sneaky guy that's going to get through. I think a lot of people are going to be playing um, Zach Ertz. I think you can see a lot of people playing Gronk. Uh, in the leagues where I don't play Kelsey, I mentioned I like Kelsey a lot earlier, I'm going to Martellus Bennett if I need to save some money. 5,800, I think Bennett goes for 70 yards and a touchdown this week. I love it. He's your uh, Delaney Walker of week one, and so uh, I'm on board on that. So sneaky that he even got past my radar. <laughs> he is uh, he is my Delaney Walker at tight end of week one. I tell you what, though, we, we skipped over Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker owns Jacksonville. Don't forget that. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and then just finally, last point on this game, uh, we'll bow on it. Uh, we got our first glimpse of the Sarkeesian offense last week, and it, it is worth noting that uh, Tevin Coleman was active, um, that obviously uh, Steve likes the guy, and that he was in on 40% of snaps last week. Obviously, that affects uh, Devontae Freeman's uh, cash game value going forward. Um, really tough to project when any of these two could go off, but I think they're both beasts, clearly the best, uh, the best tandem in – football that I don't think the Howard Cohen combo is going to come close to anytime soon. <laughs> There's someone out there that likes Steve Sarkeesian. That guy just walks into stuff. He gets fired for drinking at USC, ends up going to Alabama and the offensive coordinator for a Super Bowl team. I tell you what, that uh, he's living a blessed life he, for some reason. He's charming. He really is. Um, I think we've kind of hit everybody. I was going to kind of quick recap a little bit, but I think we kind of hit everything, buddy. Is there anybody that uh, jumps out to you? We haven't discussed anybody, any kind of plays that you really want to, uh, you really want to pound, uh, pound down a little more. No, but I think we can sort of close it up by uh, going position by position. Just kind of talking about our favorite plays, uh, top fades. Um, what about quarterback? Like who, who would you say your favorite, absolutely favorite play is and your favorite cheap play? My favorite play is Tom Brady. And that's really boring, but I just, I love Brady after a bad game. I love Brady with 10 days to prepare. I love Belichick with 10 days to prep. My favorite cheap play, I think, as I mentioned, is uh, Philip Rivers. 
Nice. All right. I like the Rivers call. Um, I had Brady first. Um, I like Ryan and Rogers as well. So does everybody. Um, and then Breeze sort of comes in fourth there. Uh, favorite cheat plays sort of have a mix. Going to have some uh, some exposure uh, to them is uh, is Carson Palmer in a bounce back game this week um, and possibly Joe Flacco. I don't love the spot for it, but um, but I think if, if Cleveland can keep this one close, I think some some uh, Flacco to Wallace action is, is something that I want to get a piece of. What about um, in terms of percentage? Is there is someone who you think is going to be the highest percentage uh, among that uh, Ryan, Brady, Rogers, Breeze group? I think the uh, I think Rogers, Ryan, and Brady will all be up there. I think Rogers and Brady are going to be too highest, but I think those guys are all going to be kind of spread out, but uh, all kind of separated from the pack. What about uh, what about running back? Is there a, is there a favorite play and a favorite cheap play you have in that spot? Yeah, for me, the my favorite plays also happen to be my favorite cheat plays, and uh, you know, unfortunately, I'm going to be in in uh, I- 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 eating the chalk on this one. That's Ty Montgomery and James White. I just love the, the spots for both of these guys. I think the prices are great. Um, we're doing the exact opposite of what we did last week, where we were paying up for running back. Now we're going down so that we can get big pot pass- pieces of the passing game. I think that's the way to go in cash games. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be. Uh, both of those guys, I think there's a lot of other really good options, but, um, you know, besides that, I, I'm definitely interested in a little bit of a sneaky Zeke this week. Um, and also Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. My favorite sheet play, I think, as I mentioned before, is Jaquiz Rogers. I think he's going to go way under owned, way under the radar. Um, a very sneaky GPP guy that could pay off. Uh, my fades at running back, I'm fading Le'Veon Bell again. I want to see it uh, before I pay full price. And I am going to go bay on a limb. I'm fading Kareem Hunt this week. I think the Eagles are game plan for him. I think other guys make plays for the Chiefs this week. I'm, I don't think Kareem Hunt's going to earn the price. Well, now you make me feel bad because Sorry. my fades are very, very uh, uh, pedestrian. Gurley and DeMarco Murray, man. That's that's really not taking a stand. I'm, I'm going to step up my fade game next week for sure. Please, um, please I did have do. A McCor- I'm picking like two of the top running backs. <laughs> I love it, man. I love the McCoy. I got a little bit of a fade on McCoy this week. It's still early in the week. Um, you know, happy to share my ideas as the weekend we get closer to the weekend. But I do like your idea of a potential Le'Veon Bell fade because of the price. Um, you know, outside of a little bit of tournament exposure. Um, but I'm with you on that one. So, what about in terms of percentage? What do you What do you think is going to be uh, where the money is going to be at this week? I think uh, I think Ty Montgomery. I think Kareem Hunt are probably the two highest percentage guys. All right, that's fair. I'm with you. I think we'll we'll actually see uh, a a little bit of uh, high percentage on you know high. I'm talking like 15, 18 percent on Zeke Elliott this week. All right, uh, we've run a little bit long here, so let's move to wide receivers. My favorite plays at wide receivers are pretty obvious ones: Julio Jones and Brandon Cooks. I also like Terrell Pryor cheaper and John Brown if he's healthy and Martavis Bryant. What about uh, what about your favorite receivers? Well, shoot, man, we yeah, on just, the same page. I just take them all. No, I. No, it's great. I love Julio. I love Mark Tavis. I love Pryor. Uh, I love Cooks as well. I'm with you on those guys. Uh, you know, other than that, I'm really liking Chris Hogan. I think the price is right and uh, very interested with him uh, this week. I'm a, I'm a fade on Adam Thielen this week. I think there's going to be a lot of people jumping on him after the primetime Monday night game. I think that uh, I think Stefan Diggs is more the play this week. Uh, I'm a fade on Thielen. Hoping a lot of people play him. I don't think he backs up last week's game. Yeah, so you're not feeling Thielen. I'm with you there. Uh, he's my boy. I hope he performs for my season-long teams. But, um, you know, on the same page. Uh, crazy enough to say Antonio Brown for me. Oh. Um, but, hey, got to take a stand somewhere. Finally, I do like, I like uh, Xavier. Yeah, I like Xavier Rhodes kind of, you know, hanging, hanging in there. Um, I don't think it's going to be necessarily that high scoring of a game. 
Outside of that, I think Des Bryant with the tough matchup against Denver. Watch now this week. I don't play him with the tough matchup, and he goes nuts. I I love Des no matter what, man. I, I I'm a little. I try to be impartial on things. Des Bryant, I'm just not. So there's my weakness. Outside of that, Devonte Parker again. I just think he's in a tough spot this week against that Chargers secondary. Um, what about the highest percentage guys? Where do you think outside of Julio, where, where the, where's the next money going to go? I think it's all going to come from those two big games. I think you see a lot of Brandon Cooks, a lot of Julio. I think Jordy would be a lot of uh, a lot of ownership too, and then Michael Thomas also. Nice. What about tight ends? Who you got? My uh, my favorite play is Martellus Bennett. I really like uh, him being a little bit under owned. I think there's like I said, be a lot of Gronk, a lot of Ertz. My favorite cheap play kind of comes in one of those games. Kobe Fleener. I think uh, without Willie Sneed in the game, I really like that uh, Fleener kind of in the underneath routes. That's usually where Breeze looks to Sneed and kind of feeds Sneed. With him being suspended, I think Fleener looked good last week. Uh, I think if they're trailing in the game, he could get a lot of catches. I love him in a PPR. He's my favorite cheap play. And FYI to all of our listeners, uh, Scott and I do not talk about the slate before we sit down and to record the podcast. So it is uh, with no surprise that I have Kobe Fleener as my favorite play as wow, well. Wow, I, I did not expect the, uh, that. No, and I hate the guy. But hey, <laughs> this is a bit where this is a business, you know. I mean, like he's he's burned me so much in the past. I know he helped you win, uh, you know, a monster uh, prize on FanDuel last year in Week Six. Um, for me, it just comes down to Snead not being around. Um, a lot of throwing in the second half. Him being a big body target um, in around the around the end zone, um, and so yeah, I like him. I think a favorite cheap play. One guy I'm looking at is Jared Cook, who I think is someone who's going to get more involved. I think him and Carr are going to establish a nice rapport. Uh, as far as a fade, again, I'm 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 kind of you know wussing here, but uh, Jordan Reed for me uh, with that toe, it's just not something I want to pay pay up for. Um, and then I guess if you want to me maybe go on a little bit of a limb is. Even though I would love to have him, just with the way roster construction is going, I probably am, am not going to have too much Gronk. My uh, my fade this week is Kyle Rudolph. Uh, again, I just don't love them against uh, going on the road against the Steelers. Um, I, uh, I, I'm going against Kyle Rudolph. I don't think he'll be too high a percentage, but he's someone that I'll have none of. And as far as highest percentage, I'm just thinking, you know, a lot of people are going to be back on the Ertz bandwagon. I'm not opposed to that. Um, I, I think the other guy that people are going to be chasing on, um, and hey, it could work out. But it's in the Sunday night hammer, and that's Austin Hooper. People are going to see that monster game, which, hey, I love Austin Hooper. Targeted in my season longs, um, but he's not going to have a game like that again this season. No, he only and he only had two targets. They were both big plays. One of them was a broken play. I like Hooper going forward. I think that the the key with him is that he does get those big plays when everybody's you know Garden Julio and Sano, Sanu and Taylor Gabriel. But uh, I'm not going with him this week. I think he'll be too highly owned. Also, I think after those big plays, everybody's going to be on him. I think Gronk will end up being the highest one overall. That makes sense. Uh, and to uh, close it up, the defenses, which you uh, like? I like uh, I like the Ravens against the Browns. I like the Buccaneers against the Bears. And my top fade is actually Seattle. I think that the Niners are going to go very, very conservative. I think Hoyer is going to be very conservative. A lot of underneath passes, a lot of handoffs to Hyde, a lot of balls to Garcon. I don't like Seattle to make a ton of big plays. I think they hold them to low points, but I don't think you get a ton of turnovers. And I think they're going to be really highly owned. Yeah, that's funny you say that. That's my. I have two listed, and that's Seattle for me. I'm just not going to pay top dollar for specifically in this matchup. Um, uh, I just don't see Hoyer, uh, you know, throwing the ball a, a lot, even in the second half if they're trying to catch up. You know, throwing those deep balls outside of the one that Marquise Goodwin's going to catch, but that's a whole different story <laughs> altogether. Um, you know, I I'm sort of interested in uh, the LA. I was about to, about to call them the Clippers because it's LAC. So I like the Chargers. 
Uh, I'm interested in Jacksonville again, and I think these are these are uh, sneak sneak sneaky cheap plays, and also Kansas City is another one that I'm interested in. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm with you on the uh, Chargers. Don't feel bad about calling the Clippers. I called them San Diego twice on Twitter on uh, Monday night. Nah, not good. <laughs> so that <laughs> uh, that wraps it up. Uh, thanks everybody for listening to the RotoWire NFL DFS podcast. We greatly appreciate that. Sorry, we ran a little bit long, but uh, hopefully that uh, info will be good for everybody. Again, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, I am at Scott Jenstead. Vlad is at RotoGut. That's R O T O G U T. Uh, if, you, if you have any comments, concerns, questions about the podcast, questions about week two, um, you know, tell us about your plays. Tell us about guys that did well for you. If you if we uh, hit somebody that you uh, ended up playing, send us a screenshot of that winner. We always like to see that. So uh, other than that, everybody have a good week, and we will be back at you in week three. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.